Those were the sweet, soothing sounds. I don't know if I would actually call them soothing. Those were the sweet, upbeat tempos of our new introductions. Michael, we've gotten a lot of compliments about them. Once again, big shout out to Johnny Moore for his continued efforts with helping turn Bantering the Blue Shirts into a professional podcast with some wonderful introductions. I am also, because I am a kind person, going to underlie this entire show with the tones of sweet, sweet construction work that for whatever reason is going on outside of my house as they continue to put in a storm drain that you would think the world was ending. So if you hear beeping and construction trucks and people screaming at one another, well, it's just another day in the life of Joe Fortunato. That is my name, Joe Fortunato. I am one of the co-hosts of Bantering the Blue Shirts. This is the flagship program, and uh, I am joined as always by Michael Murphy. You know those things in uh, in audio studios where it's like it looks like an egg crates on the wall. Like, yeah, like it's it's almost like foam. Yeah, it's like a foam special something that you would sleep on. You ever have like the I think they're called egg crates for a yeah, bed. Like you like a put it down. Mattress. Yeah, something like that. Just shove that up against the. I feel like uh, we need we need to make little areas in our in our domiciles where we have little little soundproof booths because. You're always on me about typing during the show, but then you get cranky when I don't pull up answers immediately, so, you know. I just want you to be a professional, Michael, and have all the stuff that we don't prepare for right in front of your face as soon as we start going. That's fair. I I move to the furthest reaches of my house away from my child while she's sleeping so that she can't hear me and wake up. She's all the way in her room in the back of the house, and I'm all the way in the front of the house in the corner uh, in our dining room, which we never use, but I do use it for podcasting, and it is right next to the window where the construction workers are. So that is what is happening there. You know what else is? Actually, I don't have a... I don't have a... I was going to do, you know what else is construction, but it's really not. Uh, I went to the Ranger game last night. I sat in the sweet, sweet corporate seats um, that my company has. And boy, the very first thing I said was, wow, they're even worse up close. And, um, hmm, Rangers blew another lead. They lost 4-3 to three in overtime against the uh, Los Angeles Kings. And I guess it's good, right? Good for the tank. You don't want to. The Rangers just, they cannot get out of their own way with, if you're going to fuck things up, just don't get that loser's point. And they keep getting the loser's point, and it's infuriating. Well, it's, I feel like in many ways, last night is an example of a game I want them to win. It's, I, I know like. They played well, actually. It's, I know that the Kings are another bad team. And so, you know, they could be a team that the Rangers are, you know, watching the ping pong balls with. But I want them to play better hockey against teams that are just as bad as they are. And specifically, I want to see kids step up um, under Quinn in situations like this. And, you know, Philip Hedl looked really great. And, uh, you know, Tony D'Angelo got back in the lineup after I think he's up to 19 healthy scratches, Joe. So and looked great. Yeah, and I think he picked up an assist. Um, he, he he picked up an assist on the first goal where he it was yeah. like it, it's it really is the quintessential like 
Anthony D'Angelo moment. And I guess let's just absolutely time out here and let's discuss the D'Angelo stuff because we've finally gotten a little bit of information as to what's going on. Um, it appears that Mr. D'Angelo runs his mouth with officials all game long. And David Quinn told him to cut the shit and he refused to. And then he sat for a few games. And there's, you know, a couple of reasons why I think that distinction is important. It's a continued, just continued evidence, right, of Anthony D'Angelo's lack of maturity and the off-ice issues that have plagued him from when he was playing in the OHL. Um, it shows that there is a hardline stance from David Quinn on accountability that impacts everybody. And it also, because he went right back on the first pair, what I would consider the first pair with Mark Stahl, which, shockingly enough, um, is a good pair, it shows that David Quinn at least understands that that group works well together, the two of them, and he wanted to put them together. Anthony D'Angelo, to me, is a very talented defenseman who probably should be an everyday defenseman and should be with the New York Rangers next year. I ran some of his underlying statistics um, when before we knew why he was being scratched, but kind of knowing that he was going to be scratched. And he's really maybe the best offensive generator on the back end for the New York Rangers. He has 13 points in 33 games this year. It's not an astounding you know, statistic, but for a guy who's been in and out of the lineup, kind of gets in, gets out, has been sitting a lot, and isn't getting that team. much power play time, right, on a bad team, it's not that bad. And I think we've seen flashes of, like on the goal last night, where he takes the puck from the top of the blue line, drives down into the zone in the corner, and makes a perfect pass to Chris Kreider at the front of the net. Like, that is the Tony D'Angelo that the Rangers traded for. That's the guy right there. But they also traded for the guy that runs his fucking mouth at officials and gets benched and then scratched for three games because David Quinn's like, dude, we just talked about this. So good on Quinn. And, you know, you and I, I think, have... um, Maybe me more than you have just kind of taken a more aggressive approach. You know, you kind of were a little spectacle, really skeptical from the beginning. Um, Spectacle. I've tried to sort of see the light in a lot of things, and I think I still I have, and I still do. But this is one of those non-hockey reasons that, like, I need we need to know this stuff. I'm glad it came out. I'm glad Larry Brooks brought it up. I believe it was Brooks. Um, I'm glad we got to this point because that's a good thing to know. Because if David Quinn thinks that D'Angelo sitting makes the team better, that's not something you want your head coach to think. So knowing that there's a reason behind it is comforting in a sense. But then, you know, you see, you brought it up right before the show started. D'Angelo talks about a sports psychiatrist, and he's like, fuck that. Yeah, he went to, he had one in Tampa and supposedly in Arizona. He said he's talking to people in his life who are helping him now, uh, per a Brooks article from last night. And it's, um... You know, Brooks kind of asked him, you know, do you feel like this is your last crack at the NHL? Which is a pretty fair question for a guy who's on his third team. Um, This is his his second year with this team, and he's been a healthy scratch 19 times. And he kind of laughed off the question. He said, no, I'm pretty confident in where I am and what my abilities are. Um, And to me, you know, then he followed that by saying, like, I'm not as crazy as people think I am. Which I don't think helps uh, the public perception of uh, Tony D'Angelo, but... You know, I 
if we're talking about him as the hockey player, like he does have a hot head, and that is not a good thing. Um, but he's also just blatantly better at hockey than Neil Pionk. And Neil Pionk has had every opportunity this season before his injury, whereas we have not at all seen that for D'Angelo. He's had a much shorter leash, leash and a lot of that, of course, is due to discipline issues, but not all of it. Um, as far as as far as we know, up until you know, we hear things like this where it's pretty clear that Quinn is trying to really work with him and turn him around. But Joe, while you're talking, it occurred to me, we heard so much during the 2018 draft and with the, you know, the, the public letter to Rangers fans about how important bringing players with character uh, is to this team because they want to, they need to build a new core. They need to find new young leaders. And I just, I don't know how the hell Gorton looked at D'Angelo and said, you know what, this is a this is a project we're willing to take on, given that he knew it was the first major step in the rebuild. And I know a lot of people would point to this Benajad trade as part of that, where, you know, selling a player high to get a younger player. And of course, uh, we'll get to Zibanejad later, and he's been amazing uh, this season for the Rangers. But D'Angelo just comes off as this, this really really stressful problem that a team that's trying to figure out where the hell they're going, especially on the blue line, just it's like the Rangers don't have enough time to have a problem like this. Like I know they have all the time in the world for this rebuild, but I'm talking about this, this kind of, you know, like running around, you know, the house trying to find out like, all right, well, who's, who's in the lineup? What did, what did D'Angelo do last game? Did he chirp at an official? Like last night, they muted uh, John Giannone's, you know, between the benches microphone because he was chirping um, at a player on the Kings bench. And just like there are enough veterans on the Rangers roster to just kind of, you know, give the kid a smack on the shin with with your stick and kind of say, all right, bud, like we get it. You run your mouth like we know that's part of you, but we also know where we can't let it hurt the team. And. There have been times this season where, it's ha- where it has hurt the team, and it's more more importantly to him, it's hurt him and his chances to be in this lineup. So, but like you know, you and I said, the talent is there. Like he picked up an assist, and I, but before the the game last night, Joe, I don't know if you you know you were at the game, so you didn't see this graphic. But the Rangers' record with him in the lineup, which I don't, you know, I don't put too much stock in that in that particular stat. Just a lot of it is just kind of coincidental. There are. You know aspects of it that are not all coincidental, um, but it's not quite you know wins above replacement. But like looking at D'Angelo in the lineup versus him out of the lineup is markedly different. The Rangers win far more games when he's there, and it's not all that surprising uh, because you know even when last night they ran eleven forwards and seven D, D'Angelo makes the team better in regards to the transition game and in the offensive zone. Well, that's one of the things that I was going to get into, and and we kind of there's a few things about D'Angelo, and I really didn't expect to spend this much time on him, but I think it's an important topic for a lot of reasons because it it kind of shows the Rangers' thought process. I don't think the Rangers were prepared for what they were getting back. I've said that before. I think that even more today than I did when the Rangers first traded for him when we were like, wow, there's a lot of red flags there. I was talking to Adam yesterday, and he brought up a really good point. He was like nine times out of ten that you hear general managers or hockey people or coaches talk about character. 
right? It's bullshit. Nine times out of ten. Tony D'Angelo is the one time out of ten. He is the, this is a guy who cannot get on the ice because of issues that he has with, the, you know, maturity, I guess is maybe the best way to put it. But maturity lack of discipline, decent, you know, there's a de- bunch of... catch-all phrase for what's going on with the end. But here's the other thing that we discussed with Adam. The New York Rangers need to swing for the fences on talent, in trades, in acquisitions, in whatever it is that they're doing. They need upside. Guys like Howden and Hayek and Lindgren, um, even Rikoff, are middling players. And that's not a bad thing, but they're mid-level players. None of those guys are going to be the best at their craft. None of them are going to be the worst at their craft. I guess they could be the worst. Um, Kravstov, Miller. Those are examples of the Rangers swinging for the fences on talent. That's what you have to do. So in a sense, you're right. The Rangers don't have time to like deal with this bullshit with D'Angelo because they don't they like they have other things to worry about. But by the same token, D'Angelo is a high upside player. Top to bottom, he is a high upside player. You take the risk for skill. Yeah, there's there's no debate about that. That his the the likelihood that he becomes a valuable player is significantly greater than Pionk. Um, and again, this isn't... I know we, we criticize Pionk a lot, and I know it's his sophomore year, and I know you know it's, it's not exactly fair to just crap all over a guy, especially when he's out of lineup, but he's outstanding once he gets in the offensive zone. The problem is he has a really hard time getting there on his own, and he lets opposing forwards just come into the defensive zone... Uh, without with pretty much just like waving a butterfly net at him like there's not a lot he can do outside of that which is fine like that that sounds like a great specialist to have on your right side on your third pair but that's not the way he was used and then you have a guy like D'Angelo who's been you know scratched 19 times per that Brooks article and that's a lot of scratches Joe and a lot of it is tied to that you know that maturity issue and the the weird thing is like you know, he seems like he has, to me, like the same hot head he had at the beginning of the season. Um, I don't, I'm not sure I've seen anything kind of s- like settle down with him, really. He's still the guy who, you know, he's not a big guy, uh, but he'll get in anyone's face and he'll run his mouth and he'll talk to officials. And, you know, when, when you don't have a letter on your jersey and you're talking to officials, uh, it's often not a good idea. Yeah, I mean, everybody chirps, but like if, it, if it's... If you're chirping to the point where the coach is like, hey, cut the shit, and you don't cut the shit, you deserve what happens to you. That's, you know, the be-all, end-all. Here's the flip side. D'Angelo played very well Monday night. Um, He appears to be back in the lineup, hopefully. There's no other issues. Hopefully he's learning. I think it may have been Brooks again asked him about like his conversations with Quinn on the matter, and he said that they had a discussion and they were on the same page. So that's fine, but... Yeah, I just, like, he needs to stay in the lineup, and the Rangers, let's kind of flip it a little bit, because this is a discussion that kind of people are having right now as well, with Neil Pionk, who is just really drowning out there. Like, the whole purpose of this year, right, was to figure out what you have in some of these guys, and I think we've gotten a really good answer as to what we have in Pionk, which is if he's not scoring every other day, then he's a tough defenseman to have out there, especially in a top four role, because he's not scoring enough to justify the lack of defense that comes on the other end. The flip side of that is that 
he's a kid, right? So he could grow, but we haven't really seen any of that step forward. D'Angelo, we haven't gotten a great look at because of all the ups and downs, but I think he's showing that he should probably be in the lineup next year. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm going to pull a mic and I'm going to type while I'm on the podcast, both of those plays, see, did you like that? You like what I did there? Both of those (laughs) players, both of those players um, have contract decisions that need to come. So both of them are RFAs. They're both 23 years old. Um, They're both on the last year of their entry level contract. So, it, do the Rangers try to find a taker for Pionk and sell high? I doubt it just from the way that I think they they work. But signing both of them without a move for Smith or Stahl or Shattenkirk just continues the logjam next year. And it's totally possible that the Rangers don't think that Lindgren or Hayek are ready. And I think it makes a lot of sense to assume that Rykoff or Rykoff won't be ready um, transitioning over from the KHL next year. But like whatever decisions come, they're going to come fast and furious on the defense. So I think they need to make that decision this summer. And I'm very curious to see where they go from there. They're going to come like Vin Diesel. and uh... Just right. Seven times. Um, I think it went up to eight. Is it? Is there an eighth Fast and the Furious? God, are they going to go up to ten? It's like in, and I've never. I think I've watched like a couple of them. It, it. I always love how the like bounds of logic and Rocky just got incredibly, like they they were stretched to the point of like not believing what was happening already in like Rocky three, and then Rocky four they just leave their children with a robot for months on end as a babysitter, and at that point you're just so desensitized. You're like, ah, yeah, that's fine. The robot takes care of them. That's awesome. He's great. Uh, Did you see Creed like. 2, though? Creed 2 was unreal. Was it? So, it was good? Yeah, no, Creed I didn't even see Creed great. 1. Creed 2 was brilliant. I didn't see any of them. I didn't see any Creeds. Um, Michael, the Rangers are five from the bottom. Five places from the bottom in the East. They have 52 points with 52 games played. Ottawa has 43 points with 52 games played. Um, the Rangers are five points above the Devils for second to last place in the conference. Looking at the league as a whole, the Rangers are in 21st place. They cannot get out of their own way with Mm. these overtime losses. They have eight of them. You take those eight points out of the equation, I get that that's drastic. Yeah, You're talking about a team that's looking at a lottery pick faux show. Well, here's the thing, Um, especially when we think of Ottawa and all the, the chaos that's about to erupt uh, with Ottawa at the dead the deadline, a lot of the teams who are, you know, in the neighborhood of the Rangers are worse are going to be sellers. So you know, some people are saying, "Oh, don't worry, the the record's going to get worse for the Rangers after the deadline." But that is, you know, true of a lot of the other teams that they're kind of racing to the bottom with, and that is why this sort of stuff does matter. I know we heard, you know, from from Dolan that you know, teams in New York are never going to be teams that tank. That isn't what you know the Rangers are about and everything, but. I, it's, it does become an issue, I think, when you and I talked about this uh, last show or a couple shows ago, where it's the conflict of interest, right? Where am I putting development before trying to win? Because I should be, um, you know, or can I serve both of those masters at the same time, you know, with David Quinn and, you know, his approach to the bench in his first year here. And, you know, I think it's, it's not a bad idea. I don't think it's unfair to say, Quinn, we have to look at and give him a little bit of leash. It is his first year. You know, this is kind of a throwaway year, but at the same time, you know, talking to Nick last week, I found myself nodding my head a lot with his criticism because I've been 
You know, I've been kind of openly critical of Quinn since like the preseason, really, and seeing some of the trends he made, some of the decisions. I was like, a lot of this feels eerily familiar, and I was worrying. I was like, well, I, I'm not necessarily want to be the first guy who chimes up and says this reminds me of Vigneault, but it is. There are some aspects to it. He's obviously a much different coach in terms of uh, dealing with personnel. You know, he's much more face-to-face, one-on-one with his players, and you can tell he's very invested in his players. He's not necessarily dragging guys out in front of the media like Vigneault did. It's more, you know, he's he'll scratch a player, and, he's, and he'll be like, listen, he's a good player, but we're working on stuff. You know, it's not... He's not saying stuff like, listen, this kid needs to be better. He's not playing great, except, you know, he kind of said that for Booch. But, uh... I guess we'll give him a mulligan there. Um, overall, I I want this team to lose more games, but I also want them to find a way to be a bit more entertaining than they have been. As someone who has to watch them is like a, a selfish opinion of mine, but I'm not terribly concerned right now. Lundqvist has been responsible for this team being in a lot of games they had no business being in, which I think has translated to a shit ton of those you know, non-regulation uh, overtime win points, so all those, you know, extra time points. And that's just kind of going to happen when you have someone like Lundqvist in the lineup. And, you know, it's... I want an early pick, Joe. We all want that early pick. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to be bad, hard be to bad. Do. And there's uh, the kind of other side of the coin on this is the Rangers are 21st from the bottom, right? Out of 31 teams. They are three points away from being 28th. So I really think the Rangers, like the Rangers are bad right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Rangers are bad right now. Imagine how bad they're going to be without Hayes, Zuccarello, Nemestikov. I mean, McQuaid not being there will probably make them better. Apparently, McLeod may have some trade interest, so that would, again, be better. But losing those three players, Nemestikov, you know, from the defensive side of things, Hayes for everything, Zuccarello for everything, the Rangers are going to be a very bad team down the stretch, and it's hard to imagine they won't kind of, it's not like they have this huge lead, I mean, forgetting Ottawa, who is just an absolute tire fire, I mean, the New York Rangers, they're not going to be a good team, they don't have a good team, they're not going to be a good team, it is what it is, so it's just something to to keep in mind. Let's kind of transition a little bit and I don't want to get too much into it because I'm sure there's going to be a million questions about it but we're starting to hear some rumors about the Winnipeg Jets and the Boston Bruins being interested in Kevin Hayes Um, we're getting some some words that the Rangers are still kind of trying to make a deal with Colorado Um, we've seen a couple of enormous trades the Jake Muzzin trade going down kind of signified what we thought the dominoes were going to start falling right Um, when he got traded over to the Leafs what's your take on things, Mike? Are you surprised we haven't seen a move yet from Jeff Gordon? Um, is the market not there yet? Is Gordon just kind of waiting for his opportunity? There's a lot to take in. Well, the real problem is there just there's so many players who are on the market. Just so many. It's, it's not a great situation for the Rangers, um, but I feel like a lot of people are a little bit, you know, have a kind of a the sky is falling attitude about that. The Rangers are still going to get assets and prospects here like they're still gonna get some picks and it's it just a question of finding the right buyer and the good news for the rangers you know for rangers fans who are anxious about this is they have a lot of desirable pieces you know even last night adam McQuaid, you know buried a goal and you know elliot friedman was saying like 
he was like the first ranger that came to mind he said where he's just going to be a guy who gets moved because you know as phil uh phil says from blue shirt banner you know there's people still want guys like adam mcquaid it just that's not going to change and i'm i'm a little surprised we haven't seen something but don't forget joe we saw you know we saw the spooner deal and you know that was that was definitely a deal that we can say definitively that the rangers have won normally you can't say that uh so soon after a trade, but things have gone just awfully for Spooner and Edmonton. And, you know, looking at Strom, it's like, okay, well, you know, he's a guy who can fill a hole in that bottom six while we need guys to be there to, you know, have to play around the kids, and that's fine. You know, he's not remarkable, but he's, you know, a lot less of a headache uh, and more responsible away from the puck than Spooner was, and he fits under Quinn. So, you know, that's something. He can play center as well, but... I want, I'm not in a rush to see the trades. I want them to make the right trades. And I'm very kind of encouraged, Joe, to to hear that there are the Rangers, you know, we've heard Kevin Hayes connected to Nashville, to Boston, to Winnipeg now. Like the more suitors, the better. Like every name we hear connected to these players that we feel are on the way out is nothing but good news because that's teams bidding against each other. And, you know, there are a lot of other options, like teams that can't get can't get someone like Zuccarello or, you know, if they can't get Mark Stone, they'll look to Zuccarello or, you know, Matt Duchesne. Maybe I can get Kevin Hayes. And the Rangers are still in a good position to come away with a lot at this deadline. I'm not too worried yet. Yeah, you need to, the market is going to kind of dictate what happens. And the Rangers have a couple of very valuable pieces. You know, Zuccarello has been linked to Edmonton. Um, He's been linked to Calgary. He's been linked to well, we're sort of linking him to Colorado. There's a lot of, like, Zuccarello is sort of like the half-price item at the store, right? Panarin, Duchesne, Stone, Hayes, those are the guys that are going to get those elite-level returns. Uh, Maybe Hayes less so than Panarin and Stone. But those are the guys that are going to cost, you know, a couple of draft picks and high-end prospects and whatever it may be in this this big package. Um, The flip is that Zuccarello is a guy that a team might look at and say, hey, you know what, maybe we can get him for a first-round pick and a B-level prospect or an A-level prospect and a second-round pick, kind of like a Grabner you know, level trade would be on the lower end of it. And that has value too. Like You, you look at something like that and you would think that a team like Calgary – it makes perfect sense. You put him with Goudreau, you you know, you throw him out there with the Chuck, whatever it is that you need to do, Zuccarello works. He meshes with anyone, he'll fix your power play. He'll literally he's like glue. You find a problem, you throw him up against the problem and it's no longer a problem anymore. And he's a great player who's putting up an incredible amount of offense. So I'm tell I'm telling you right now, no matter what the return is for Zuccarello, Rangers fans are gonna be outraged just because I feel like the rest of the league doesn't quite understand how good he is. And Rangers fans not only understand how good he is, but they're in love with him. So the Rangers could get back, you know, like a first-round pick and a pretty good prospect, and some people would still be murmuring, like, I don't know, for a guy like Zuccarello? Like, and the reality is he's probably not getting that right now. I mean, given what the market looks like, it's going to be tough. And that's fine. 
you you can make whatever like no people are going to be unhappy regardless people were unhappy with the nash trade people were unhappy with the grabner trade the miller mcdonough trade i'll give you know fine because it was relatively underwhelming um even at the time of the trade let alone now that miller is kind of exploding onto the scene for tampa which we knew he was going to do it doesn't matter we don't have to get into that part of things again it's just the fact of the matter is the new york rangers they need to do what's best for the team and if the best thing that zuccarello can bring back is a third round pick well you know it is what it is hayes is a different story there's you got to get something for him he's like a, a very i think i have a story going up on wednesday about the fact that hayes is going to kind of give the rangers plan away because right now the Rangers are a terrible hockey team and they're not going to get better overnight. And I think Adam is writing a story that even if the Rangers have like one of the greatest off seasons that they could possibly have, you're still talking about a middling playoff team at best, at least next year. And one of the things that I'm trying to focus on is like, yes, everybody wants Panarin and, and I still want Panarin because skill is skill, right? You take those opportunities to get skill whenever you can get them. But what happens when you bring Panarin in and the defense is still the same? It's not going to be a good thing. Carp keeps talking about the fact that the Rangers are going to be going after RFAs. Let me tell you something. The New York Rangers do not put out any information unless they want it known. So that's the first thing. So if the Rangers are telling Carp that, oh, because, he, you know, sources, whatever. When was the last time that somebody really broke a story before it happened in New York? That wasn't like a national guy. That was a local it's guy. It's been a minute. Even as connected as Brooks is, some of the things that he reported on that the Rangers weren't going to get Shattenkirk, you know, and I, that's not an insult at Brooks. The Rangers keep everything very close to the vest. Uh, Brooks is the best of the bunch in terms of finding out, you know, getting stuff. He's the most well-connected guy. Like, right, and that's, we're not... on the, the Bobrovsky situation. I mean... Yeah, that's connected. my, that's not, I'm not trying to say that he isn't. I'm saying that the last time that you really got like an explosive scoop about something that was going to ha- it's been a long time from the New York media it's harder when like if the Rangers are dealing with Minnesota say the Minnesota guy leaks it to you know Elliot Friedman that's a different story so for Carp to have that information like the Rangers are giving you that for a reason are the Rangers doing it because they want Toronto to know they're going to make a run at Matthews or Marner if they reach restricted free agency maybe are the Rangers trying to facilitate a deal for Nylander say because Toronto needs to pay Marner and Matthews, maybe. I don't know. But that information doesn't go out there without, like, for no reason. So for both Hayes and Zuccarello, like, the Rangers have decisions that they need to make. And the market is going to kind of dictate things. But Zuccarello is a good half-off option. And even in that same conversation... Oh, I actually got completely off topic, but that's fine. Even in that same conversation, Hayes is like a half-off option, right, from... Or maybe 30% off from Panarin or Stone. But if Hayes brings back a, a maybe an almost NHL-rated defenseman or swing for the fences, you know, forwards, it's going to kind of give you an idea of what the plan is because the fact of the matter is the Rangers are not going to be good next year. Maybe they trade Kreider for Truba over nope. the summer. What would you say? Yeah, the, I was just saying nope to they're not going to be good next yeah, year. Yeah, maybe, like, maybe uh, they, they trade Kreider, Kreider for Truba and then they add at least, you know, maybe they go after Carlson. Maybe they go after Gardner. I don't know what the plan is, but we should have an idea when Hayes is traded because he is the piece that will bring back the most of this crop. Zuccarello, Unless Mestikov, the Rangers are trading Kreider, then I think Kreider. Unless, well, absolutely correct, and I'm under the assumption that they're not. 
That's where I am right now. now. I don't expect them to move him. That was not true um, maybe 20 games ago. I thought that it was more 50-50, but right now it feels like that's not going to happen because I feel like we would have heard a lot more. All All we've really heard is... You know, oh, the Bruins are in. Well, yeah, no shit, the Bruins are in. I said he's a Massachusetts kid. I mean, he's big. That's what Hayes is. Hayes is big. He's big and from Boston. And you know, we've heard people say Edmonton and Kreider for for ages now. Which but, makes yeah. that at least makes logistical sense. But again, yeah, if you're it, like whatever yeah, trade what Gordon the hell makes, Edmonton going to do? No one knows what Edmonton's going to do right now. They're they're a raccoon on crystal meth, caught in a garbage can. Like anything can happen. Ooh, that's a good one. As soon as you open the garbage can, what happens? Is he eating his way out of the garbage can? Is he going to fly out of the garbage can? He's eating the way out of the metal garbage can. But you want to grab the top of the garbage can, hold it like a shield, and try to deflect the raccoon. Because you know they have tiny hands, and he'll pry that away from you. He'll take it. (laughs) When we bought our house, um, there was a hole in the roof with a branch through it, like as though you had taken a branch and stabbed it through the roof. So the homeowner's solution was to spray like foam around it that was what they did to you know stop the water from getting in and we were talking about it with like the inspector and we brought it up to the the homeowners to see if they couldn't give us something back you know on the price and uh we asked them what happened and they told us that a squirrel ate through the roof like completely straight face so i remember sitting in front of them and i was like wait a minute you're telling me that a squirrel chewed through the shingle the fucking yeah. sheet, like Squirrels the sheetrock, the the wood, and then like put a stick through it, and they were like, "No, we put the branch through it to make the foam stay." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, you're gonna have crazy, to." There's some crazy thing about squirrels where they're responsible for like more power outages in North America than like any other natural cause, like so more so than like you know storms and stuff because they. They just love to chew through wire. That's all. They just love to do it. They just can't get enough of it. And, like, what was it? There's some... forgot what it was, but there's some telescope uh, that's pointed up at space for, you know, detecting radiation. It wasn't working. They didn't know why it wasn't working. And then uh, they looked inside, and it was just filled with acorns. Like, maybe tens of thousands of little acorns. It's a YouTube video. It's funny. Just, that's awesome. And they emptied it out, and all I can think in my head is like, that squirrel worked so hard. How many? He did, and then you destroyed it. Yeah, we used just, to have a summer house in the Poconos, and the the amount of acorns that you would find just like in trees, just like a cartoon, like a little hole in a tree with fucking acorns. It was insane. It's insane. Squirrels are awesome. We also have uh, up here where I live the coveted black squirrels, which is always kind of a throwback because I think that they're shadows actually until they reveal themselves. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I know black squirrels. I, my grandparents um, and my mom's side of the family have a, have a house in uh, in Pelham, New York. And I go up there a lot for holidays and stuff. And I, I see black squirrels there. It's like don't an upstate seem, thing. It's cool. It's a, it's a nice change of scenery. Yeah. Wow, way more squirrel talk than I expected. Yeah, a lot um, of squirrel talk. A lot of squirrels are just like last week. It was a lot of outhouse talk. A lot of squirrel talk, a lot of outhouse talk. I didn't hear any feedback on the outhouse. Uh, I got some, actually, but I'm going to save it because I think... When did we... Did we discuss outhouses on the Q&A show or did we discuss it on the flagship? I forget, but it is is a question that legitimately makes me curious. How far away do you want an outhouse from your house house? That wasn't the answer. Somebody, like, gave an experience of themselves in the outhouse. Oh, well, that's also fun. Yes, that's also fun. Um... Boy, there's not, like, the Rangers are in such a weird place right now when even, like, in our group 
Slack where we're trying to figure out who's writing what and what's, you know, it's all the same shit. And we really have no idea what the plan is, you know, about anything because it's just, oh, the Rangers were bad again last night. Oh, they blew another lead. Here's what happened. You know, here's what we're writing about. Here are the rumors of the day. Um, The Rangers are doing a pretty significant amount of scouting at Boston. I think a couple of people have ran into scouts at their uh, Providence Bruins games, which is the AHL affiliate. Including my buddy uh, Marissa and Jemmy, who writes for the Boston Herald. Oh, look at you. My goodness, Mike is coming in with sources. The former voice of uh, the Boston Pride in the NWH. Oh, God, you just know all the fucking play-by-play guys out there, huh? I don't think the profanity was necessary, but yeah, I do know people who do play-by-play. You hear that beeping, by the way? I hear it very loud, and I don't actually think it comes through because the microphone is pretty good at kind of blocking that stuff out, but... um, yeah, the Rangers are scouting Winnipeg as well. They're, I mean, but here's the other issue, and, and this is something that I kind of did want to get back to. If the Rangers are going to make moves with a team like Boston, you need to demand their higher-end talent for a guy like Hayes. Because I think the Rangers, with the McDonough and the Miller trade, they went for a little bit more NHL-ready guys than they did higher upside guys and like that's fine and Howden seems to be great or at least good and you know Hayek I think we're gonna have to throw this year out and hope that it's just this anomaly and next year will be better but you're also you're at a disadvantage and and it's another good point we've brought up Adam a few times when you're trading for other teams prospects you're almost always trading at a disadvantage because they know things about those players you don't And there's a reason they're on the table, and there's a reason they're willing to part with them. You, as an organization, like if you have Kevin Hayes and Boston wants Kevin Hayes, you cannot walk out of that meeting without getting a prospect like Donato. Or maybe you try to force their hand and see if they'll sell low on DeBrusque, who's not having a great year, and, you know, make a swap that way. But this, again, if it comes down to the day before the trade deadline, and the next thing you know, there's nothing out there and the Rangers just need to take whatever deal they can take fine but it shouldn't get to that point and it does feel a little concerning that there was a ton of interest around Hayes a few months ago with Winnipeg being involved and I even think Edmonton at one point was involved and it sort of died out and I don't know if that's because Gordon was waiting to see if more deals came or not but that was before Panarin and Stone and Duchesne were on the market and now they are and it's a saturated market again and this is exactly what happened last year when Ara Carlson was available and the next thing you knew you know McDonough was being negotiated to Tampa at the same time that Tampa was negotiating for Carlson Vegas really wanted Carlson but they never involved themselves with McDonough because they thought they were going to get Carlson and you throw all that stuff together and it leads to an underwhelming trade. And that's the concern right now that I have, is that the market is saturated. Don't there's not a ton of yet. buyers. Go ahead. No, say what it. What are you worrying about? We don't know anything. All we've done no, we have no clue. Trade. We have nothing. But yeah, it, it, it is a little bizarre that we are seeing some higher-level trades kind of go down. The Broussard trade, I don't think, really clarify or counts as a, a higher-level trade. But, you know, Brooks thinks Bobrovsky is going to get traded to Florida as they ramp up their push to get him and Panarin this summer. Um, and it's it, it you don't hear a lot about the Rangers, and you normally don't. But again, when the Rangers start dealing with a sell-off where it's multiple people, and the Rangers started talking about Nash and Grabner and Miller, and well, McDonough, Miller was never really a part of it. Um, 
you got stuff from the the guys who were on the national scene, the Dan Rosens of the world, the Elliot Freemans of the world, the you know Pierre Lebruns of the world. Those guys you got stuff from. We're not really getting a lot of that outside of Freeman, like loosely connecting Zuccarello with a couple of teams and saying, you know, there might be interest on Hayes once Duchesne gets moved, and that makes me nervous. And there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing Gordon can do about it. This is not me like blasting the team. It's just this is a very important sell-off for the Rangers. It's kind of the final part of the sell-off. Like last year was one of two parts. And Hayes is a very valuable piece that should kind of alter the direction of the franchise. I really mean that. You get a good return. Like the McDonough trade altered the, the trajectory of this team. Like it or not. You lost one of your best defensemen, your best defenseman, actually, hands down. It decimated an already very, very fragile and vulnerable part of the team, something that the Rangers are going to have to deal with for years, likely for two more years, until Miller comes up and Lundqvist comes up and maybe Hayek and Rikov, until you get that influx of youth. So if you're going to trade Hayes, you're leaving a huge hole down the middle that you're hoping Heedle fills, that you're hoping Howden fills, that you're hoping Anderson fills. you got to get something back that makes it worthwhile. And the Rangers have taken an enormous priority on defensemen the past three or four years. The trades that they got back, the moves that they made, last year I think they drafted two forwards or three forwards, and the rest were all defensemen. And a goalie. And then, yeah, the one I was trying to avoid the one goalie. Well... Yeah. So what happens? But the Rangers can't keep tr- like you can't keep going for guys who are projected to be a second or third line forward or a you know number three or number four defenseman at best. You gotta swing. You just muted yourself, but I was done with my. You gotta swing. Gotta swing. Swing. You know who's swinging? Zabanajad. Ugh. Oh yeah. We were gonna let's talk about that because I want to talk about a fun thing, which is. How good does that freaking Zibanejad Brassard trade look today? It's it is maybe one of the like it is the exact reason why the Rangers should at least be dangling Chris Kreider, right? Because it's always better to trade a year too soon than a year too late. The Rangers got rid of Broussard at the perfect time. And, like, Zibanejad's on pace for 82 points this year on a terrible team with no source of offense. And here's, you know what, this is another thing that I wanted to say. And I brought, I know I've been very preachy today, I apologize. You have. I've been listening, I'm uh, um, sitting in my pew. Shut your mouth, bitch. Um, we've talked a lot about the faults of David Quinn. I've spent some time defending some of David Quinn's decisions. I just want to say that we should be focusing more on some of the good stuff as well. And like Nick was talking last week about how we haven't really kind of seen Howden or Heedle, you know, or Buchnevich take that next step. Um, we have seen Zibanejad, Kreider, and Hayes take that next step. I mean, all of them are having career years with the New York Rangers that they were not having under Vigneault. And I think David Quinn deserves some credit for that because this is a completely different Zibanejad, a more consistent Kreider, and again, a more consistent Kevin Hayes. And maybe in the case of Hayes, it's just about him not being in that defensive center role. Kreider has looked a little bit all around. It's not so much that streaky, you know, set play run down the wing. And Zibanejad has been a fucking monster in all three zones. So, Mike, you can interject here because I've spoken enough. You just set a Rangers record with points on 10 consecutive goals and he's already 
He's now at 52 points. His previous high in a season was 51. And I know coming into this season, Joe, I think there are a lot of people who are kind of chewing on their fingernails about the Rangers' investment in Zibanejad, especially because the future with Hayes was so uncertain after that one-year deal was signed, which has kind of put us on this fun little collision course we're on now. But And I understand the, the injury anxiety with Zibanejad, and it's legitimate. Like He has had the injuries he's had. He has had concussions, and those are important points to raise. But, you know, both uh, Shane and I have written about this this season, uh, me for banter and her for The Athletic, talking about just how valuable Zibanejad is as a shooting center. And, you know, you just don't you don't see a lot of guys, especially guys with right-handed shots, doing what he does. And it's been really fun to see him be a guy who can start to break games, especially on the power play. And, you know, it, it's makes it bittersweet because we're starting to see this, you know, you know, this production really pick up from Zuccarello and Zibanejad. And, you know, it's going to come to an abrupt end when Zuc gets traded. But, you know, the, the good news is that Zibanejad is, is that forward that you can put in that first line center role that is going to make the players, you know, beneath him in the lineup, all these kids, all these young centers coming up, you know, Anderson and, and Heedle and, and Howden, like it's just going to make it better and it's going to make their jobs easier. And it's, I'm very, very excited and optimistic about what we've seen from Zibanejad this season because he is the guy that you want to see, you know, pan out and be great, especially because, you know, the early, early signs on the Brady Shea massive contract extension are a little like, okay, well... You know, we want to see more there, but again, trying to judge the performance of any single defenseman on this team is really rough. Uh, with that being said, we do need to see better hockey from Brady Shea. And, you know, it's really Brady Shea and Zabinajad are the guys who were signed, you know, through, you know, 2021-22. And it's really good to see one of those guys look great, especially because he's 25. He can be a big part of this team and he's at an amazing, uh, he signed an amazingly beneficial contract to this team when, you know, right now it doesn't really matter because of all the, the cap space the Rangers are going to have, uh, you know, a season or two from now when things start opening up and some of these contracts come off the books. But I don't know, Joe, it's just been, it's just been a delight, a real delight to see, uh, to see Zibanejad kind of break out. And I also want to say it's been a delight to see uh, Boo Nieves really finally, fucking finally, sink his teeth into this opportunity. And yeah, I've around. been cursing a lot. You don't really curse all that much. It's, uh, well, which is, normally you are the cursor. Um, well, don't shame me for my, for my enthusiasm. I, like, Nieves, I think, is proving that he deserves to be the 4C next year. I think, but here's my thing. I thought he proved that last season. He just didn't do it on a lot of opportunity because he wasn't given that opportunity because the Rangers, you know, wanted to Had have... Had a smelly coach. They wanted to have Paul Carey and David DeArnay. Oh, God, stop it with those fucking names. Although Paul Carey was actually pretty good. He wasn't... It was, was he wasn't as great. good as, yeah. as freaking Booney Evans has been? Well, I mean, listen, Paul Carey is just a... He's Paul Carey, man. He's just great. Paul Carey, man. Um... Yeah, I, so again, Quinn deserves credit. We're, we're not trying to... I think it's so much easier to kind of focus on like the, well, I would certainly do this and that. He can and do this. bad and good things He can, absolutely. Yeah. 
but yeah, I've been. Like, you have to give him credit for Zabanajed, Kreider, and Hayes. You have to because you got a good look at them and in the Boo. past few years. And Boo. and Buniavis, I would actually dare I say, you know, Mark Stahl being somewhat serviceable can kind of be thrown into that category too. I, Kevin Shattenkirk is having an, a remarkably unlucky year. But I don't think he's been terrible. He just hasn't been putting up the points that people expected. I think the what we've all taken an issue with, and we'll end the show here because we're um, we're running over, and I want to get this up as soon as possible today. I'm trying um, to give the people what they want, more show. Is that, you know, we expected a bigger jump up from Buchnevich, right? We didn't expect the treatment that he was getting and ended up, you know, that he got. Um, we expected, I, I don't know actually what I expected. Heedle's pretty much doing what I expected. If Heedle finishes with 35 points, which is kind of what he's on pace for, I, like that's a win to me. Um, VC, you know, he looks okay, right? Like he looks like Jimmy VC. There's really nothing there. Um, it's just some of the defensive stuff that's kind of, it's kind of throwing me for a loop. So, yeah. Uh, throwing you for a loop, Joe. Remember that if you are a patron, and you're above the $5 level. You need to give us your address so that Michael can send out stickers. I believe we have the stickers. We do. As you were blathering on in the show, I started to uh, write on envelopes. I was writing addresses down. One of these envelopes has to go to Australia, Joseph. Ooh, Australia. And if you are a $10 patron, you get a special special guest. And by guest, I mean gift. A mug. Yeah, we designed the mugs. Mug. We're, uh, we're just figuring out the the way to make it so they're the highest quality without costing, uh, like, $30 to make. Yeah, we're trying so, to yeah. put s- swears on them. and Yeah, a uh, lot of companies don't like when you put uh, swears swear on words them. on mugs. And you know what? I don't like it. Fuck them. Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, um, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeJam, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, um, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, uh, Panerwin. 2020. It's a, it's a new yeah. one. Robert Courtney, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempner, and Zachary Zetlin. Thank you all for donating. You guys are awesome, and you're getting some sweet, sweet stickers. Um, let's listen to the soothing outro, outro from Johnny Moore. <laughs> 